Welcome to the Creating Fluidity Podcast. My name is April and I hope you're having a great day. Women like water slowly carve their own path. This is fluidity. On this podcast, we look to empower women and to highlight women's voices in theater and the arts in Pittsburgh and Western PA and the world. Today, episode five, I'm talking to Yvonne Hudson, otherwise known as Mrs. Shakespeare. Um, Today, she's going to be talking to us about her introduction to Shakespeare in elementary school, um, her issues with diction, her love of singing, her development of the Mrs. Shakespeare show, Renaissance songs, going to grad school, our mutual affection for the Scottish play, her love of the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet movie. We talk about the impact of Shakespeare's grasp on the human condition and just how we feel like that's at the essence of what people love about Shakespeare. We talk about Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Park's Week of Will, which you can find out about if you want to go to their website, pittsburghshakespeare.com. You can find out about their Week of Will, which is April 20th to 25th. It's coming up starting on Monday. There's going to be um, a Bard's Birthday Bash at 7 p.m. via Zoom. You can see some local and perhaps not so local people perform some wonderful Shakespeare monologues and it looks like some scenes as well. And everyone is welcome to join. Even if you would just like to watch, you don't have to participate. Uh, You are certainly welcome to join and that is free to the public. You just need to contact them and they will get you the Zoom information. Um, The rest of the week, there's some great stuff happening. There's a Zoom happy hour. There is um, a What's My Cue talk with Andy Kirtland from the New Renaissance Theater Company. Mrs. Shakespeare is going to do a tribute on Facebook Live um, at 11 a.m. It looks like there's going to be a trivia contest on Facebook on Friday. And the Steel City Shakespeare Center and the... um, the Westview Hub present As You Like It on Saturday, which um, will also be free, but you also have to register for that. So I suggest going to um, pittsburghshakespeare.com and um, checking out all those different activities. There's also ways to donate to Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the park so you can help them keep their performances free and open to the public, as well as there's ways to donate to different food banks and other um, things there as well, because in this time we know that everybody's uh, struggling and the food banks especially are struggling right now. So if you do have some extra money, that would be a great thing to do. Um, Okay, and speaking of people who have done some wonderful things with their money, we want to say thank you to our sponsors um, and thank you to the new listeners who are listening this week who have our first time listeners. Thank you for joining us. Um, After this podcast is over, you'll be given the option on anchor.fm to join us um, at a couple different levels as a sponsor. Um, If you'd rather go over to our patreon.com page, there's uh, 
options there to become a monthly sponsor as well. Um, and you know very well that if you're listening to this podcast, you like theater and the arts and you know how important it is to support them. So if you're able to, we would certainly appreciate it. And if you're not able to at this time, if you could just pass along our podcast to somebody who you think would enjoy it, that would be wonderful as well. And we hope that you take care of yourself and stay healthy and enjoy the podcast with Yvonne Hudson, Mrs. Shakespeare. Welcome to the Creating Fluidity podcast. Today, my guest is Yvonne Hudson. You may know her as Mrs. Shakespeare, um, also as the founder of the Poets Corner. Um, also, she's on the board of the Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Park. And also, she's all over the place. If you don't know her from those things, she's also involved in many other things. Welcome, Yvonne. Thanks for having me, April. This is great. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, anything you want to talk about, and we'll just dive right in. Well, you had mentioned uh, maybe thinking about when I was first introduced to Shakespeare, yes. and that happened for me uh, a couple ways. One was in elementary school when I had a, a tremendous teacher back in Indiana, PA, Winnie Burnett. Oh, nice. uh, she uh, led our fifth grade class, but at the end of the day, we had a creative period, and we did different things. We wrote and performed our own holiday play. One of the things she pulled out and had some of us do was to read the Scottish play. Mm and recorded us. What I wouldn't give to have that, because I still see some of those people at my class. And I was one of the witches. So I got to read one of the parts. And this was, for me, very significant, although I didn't put it together much later, because for about four years, when I started school, I was dealing with a speech problem Mm. and had to take remedial speech. I basically didn't have any consonants. I didn't have any diction. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure that anyone could understand me for the first year of school, but, but I didn't know because I knew what I was thinking, what I was trying to say. When I started getting involved in singing almost immediately because we had great music teachers um, and theater and reading, then it just all kind of took off. My brother uh, was in a production of Julius Caesar in college and had been in high school dramatics because we had really nice music and drama programs there in Indiana. And... Uh, I just was fascinated with what he was doing, and it just kind of took off from there, but I didn't come back around to it, you know, really as a, an artist, as an actor for a few years. Okay. Okay. I imagine that singing really helped you learn diction, yes? Yes, and I was allowed to do that, and I was encouraged. I apparently was kind of loud and confident when I was singing. Um, That's the best way I, to be. Yeah, I don't know know technically um, how those related, because they didn't sort of make that connection officially at the time, but I think it was terrific, because I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any qualms about, you know, singing, of course. Yeah. So I've kind of been singing ever since, and when I actually developed uh, Mrs. Shakespeare originally, um, I was studying voice, and a great part of the show was my Shakespeare Renaissance song recital with things around it. Okay. So it evolved something that had quite a bit of singing, 
um, which I was studying at Pitt with Claudia Pinza, who was um, on the voice faculty there when I was in graduate school. And then it just um, evolved over the years as I kept coming back to it and, and developing it further. Okay. Very exciting. That's really cool. Very cool. I discovered Shakespeare sort of by accident. Um, my friend Stacy and I in middle school, we would have sleepovers at her house and um, her parents would go to bed early and they were slept up on the second or third floor and we would be downstairs and they we could be as loud as we wanted to. They did not care and she would play the piano and I would read all the I would just pull books down off the bookshelf and one day I pulled the Scottish play down and I just started reading. And I was like, double, double, toil and trouble. What is this? And, and, and I discovered the Scottish play, and I was fascinated, the same as you, and just fell in love with it. And, and, and from there, she and I just read the whole thing. One night, we stayed up all night and read it, and we just got fascinated by it, too. So it, interesting how that happens. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I think it's one that a lot of people somehow start with or keep coming back to. I know by the time I was a senior, our high school journalism teacher and advisor for the newspaper said, now we're going to study the Scottish play because I like to. Right. And it wasn't, there wasn't any reason, you right. know, that it had to be part of a journalism course, except he loved it. Right. And one spend time on it again. So right. we did that. Um, and I think it is maybe a little on the shorter side. It's kind of... Uh, an easy story to follow, right. spooky and right. intriguing, and right. you know, uh, great characters. So I think there's a lot of reasons that that's a, that's one people can you know get into initially. And I think that it's one of well, not that they all. I, mean, I think every most of Shakespeare's stories are fairly iconic, but but that the Scottish play definitely is something people I think most people have heard of too. It's sort of like Romeo and Juliet. We kind of know it. Even if we've never seen it, we sort of yeah. just know what it's about. Yeah, it's part of the culture. It is, definitely, yeah. The other thing that influenced me was the um, Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet, because I went to sure. the movies with my best friend. Sure. And we cried our eyes out. Oh, yeah. And that, that was life-changing. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, life. Yeah. And then that's also one, of course, that so many of us have studied in school yeah. and uh, I know it was certainly significant for me to understand figures of speech and alliteration and all these things that inform the poetry and writing and, of course, the whole English language, if yes. you will. Yes. So um, through my studies and work over the years, um, I still come back to some of those first things I learned about Shakespeare that were so important and central to why his works work. Right, right. And we watched part of that movie when I was in middle school when I think I, I think it was eighth grade that we read Romeo and Juliet. And um, I remember being stunned at how young Romeo and Juliet were because I guess from reading it, I just didn't quite get that. Um, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, maybe, you know, there's things you miss when you are young and you're reading something for school. You don't pay attention as much as you're supposed to. And I just didn't quite understand how young they were. And then seeing them on the screen really hit me how young they were. And it really had an impact on me thinking about how people my own age could have this thing happen to them that was so life-changing and really devastating. And feeling like, 
oh my gosh, this guy who wrote 400 some years ago could get the fact that somebody my age could have these really strong feelings and and how did how did he know that <laughs> you know like because you I guess you know when you're young you don't think anybody older than you ever understands you right you just yeah. that's just the dynamic of unfortunately the world is you don't think your parents understand you because how could they they're old that's just what it is. I've had even friends of mine who are in their 20s just say to me, oh, you're too old to understand. So I'm like, listen, I'm only in my 40s. I'm not that old. Er. Um, and, um, but you, Shakespeare gets it. He, he sees the human condition and he really lays it out there. And it's quite amazing when you can latch onto that and understand it. And I think that's what really grasped me. In that yeah, I find, I find myself saying that all the time. How, how did he get that? How did he know that? How did he, um, in the sonnets or in parts of the plays, um, write things that we read now that seem so timely and so relevant? Um, and that that's why the works endure, because right. they, I think, um, reflect his ability to explore people and personalities and circumstances, right. what the results of those things are when right. families are quarantined or families right. are separated or lovers can't be together or there's a war, you know, all of those things that happen in the plays um, that are about faith and love and loyalty mm -hmm. and mission. Yeah. So yeah. They're all, as Harold Bloom says, part of the the human personality that um, Shakespeare was somehow able to convey with right. Freud and, and all right. of those right. uh, psychologists put their theories together. Right. So it uh, continues to be just so intriguing. I know when I come back to my solo show, which sometimes I've set aside for a period of time, of course things have happened in my life. I've maybe had a loss of a family member or I've moved to a different location. Um different city and I come back to that piece and the moments in it that are told by Shakespeare's wife but I find I bring different things to them from my own experience and that's yeah. always very compelling to me especially as I'm saying the words and realizing there's as he says there's a double meaning in that or there's a new meaning in that mm -hmm. and that's always um, so exciting and makes it so interesting to return to something that you know for me is pretty familiar having performed so many times and also as I've been able to um, change it and add new speeches to it or substitute a sonnet or Right. what's going on right. all along the performances but there's always something there that's fresh and new and uh, newly realized mm -hmm. which is exciting yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, I and I do the same thing too where I I kind of take a break from Shakespeare and I do th other things and I, I I'm involved in other theater companies and I you know do modern plays and then I come back to it again and and you're right and I and I go oh yeah I've missed this there's there's a piece of it that I, I needed a little something from 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 Shakespeare to to kind of bolster me or see me through a period of something and and um, it, it's kind of good to c go back and forth because it, 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 it's nice, it's nice to miss, sometimes it's nice to miss something, 
that you love because like they say absence makes the heart grow fonder i think that's very true you absolutely know, you appreciate things when you don't have it i think that's something that we're all learning right now is in this lockdown situation too you know i i know for myself i'm definitely missing theater and being able to see be, do things live and see my friends and rehearsals and all that stuff and um you know you guys have your week of will coming up which normally you would do live and now you're doing it online tell me about some of those challenges yes uh well it was obvious that we couldn't give everyone cake this year no <laughs> what a bummer <laughs> kind of on their own at home with dessert if they want that um because we've often done um gatherings like we will on monday night online we've often done those gatherings in person where people will share sonnets all evening or share scenes and monologues so we're starting week of will on monday with um a zoom uh event that anyone can attend that will feature um area artists including artistic directors um who, who have uh, happily accepted our invitations to uh, take place um and to share some of their favorite shakespeare um so that program will begin at seven and all of these things um people can connect to through our website which is pittsburghshakespeare.com or our facebook page pittsburgh shakespeare in the parks starting on monday night we'll do the event that Yes, would have had cake and would have yes. had an in-person aspect to it. But on Zoom, we'll be able to um, include people like uh, Mariah C. Kaminsky from Public Theater, uh, Mark Clayton Southers. Um, he's going to do some of the chorus from Henry, Henry V. Oh, great. Alan Stamper from Pick Classic Theater. Carla Booz from Quantum, um, so it was, and, and many other actors, some that have worked with us and some who um, have perhaps not appeared with Shakespeare in the Parks but wanted to take part. Wonderful. So we're excited because um, it's a way to bring these people together in one room, and, and some sometimes that doesn't happen very often right. for some of these very busy people who are, you know, having a forced hiatus from running their own theater companies. Yes. Um, so the week will continue with... Um, an online happy hour on Tuesday. Yes. We do that at Frank Shawary, uh in Lawrenceville. So that evening we're suggesting uh, 7 to 8 that people um, create their own bar-themed cocktail and yes. share it with us, tell us what their recipe was, yes. and just have sort of a social time and some informal discussion on Zoom about Shakespeare and um, whatever strikes up fancy. Um, and we're suggesting that people... Uh, Look to Frank Schwer to do some takeout during oh, the yeah. week and, and support them. They have supported us with one of their happy hours, um, Week of Will, um, you know, the kind of event where uh, part of everyone's tab, you know, benefits us. So we wanted to try to give back and suggest people remember Frank Schwery, which is a, a lovely and fun uh uh, kind of spiritual-themed bar, restaurant that we like a lot. That happens to be in my neighborhood, Lawrenceville, so um, we'll be heading over there to fix some things up. Uh, then we're working with several other organizations to incorporate their events. On Wednesday, um, New Renaissance Theater Company, Andy Kirtland, will lead a discussion about how his company does the, the Q uh, script performances that they present um, in, in 
uh, outdoor spaces and interesting uh, spaces uh, during the year. And Andy's going to talk about how that works, where the actors work from the cues, which is basically what Shakespeare's actors were given. Um, so in Midsummer Night's Dream, when Bottom says, um, uh, I can do all the parts, cues and all, it's because the actors would be given a role, okay. kind of playing on that word. Um, you yes. see this in the movie Shakespeare and Love. They're handed part of the script. They're handed their cues and yes. their part. They're okay. not handed the whole okay. play. Um so that's always interesting to think about um, how that relates to the history of how Shakespeare's plays were performed and, yes. and developed with their theater company. And then on Saturday, um, that will be our final event, but with Steel City Shakespeare Center and the production Jeff Chips has put together with actors from our area and around the country to do um, As You Like It as an online performance. Wonderful. And that, that performance... Um, uh, they're requesting donations that will benefit the Westview uh, Hub Food Pantry. Wonderful. Um, so likewise, you know, there are some other smaller pantries around the area that need attention mm -hmm. in, a great, uh, in addition to the Greater Pittsburgh Food Pantry mm -hmm. services because some of these um, neighborhood pantries, if you will, help people who need to walk yes. or can't get in a car and go out and sit in line in Braddock to get uh, donations. Yes. So um, that's a terrific program Jeff Chips has put together. Uh, and in between uh, those last several days, we'll have a trivia contest all day on Friday led by Alan Irvin, who's done this on Facebook for us a few times now. Nice. And on Thursday, that's Shakespeare's birthday, yes. um, Mrs. Shakespeare likes to claim that as her day. <laughs> so this year I won't be out at the statue um, greeting people, but we will get flowers over to the statue, oh, nice. and I'll spend time online that day nice. um, doing some Facebook Live and taking questions about Shakespeare's life and works. Um, so I'll be sharing a, a sort of a, a schedule on which I can do that um, a little bit later this week as we get ready for that. But okay. I'll plan to be um, on the Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Parks Facebook page that day with some content and probably some of the speeches and sonnets that um, I include in my solo show as well as some other content about Will. Great. And if anybody is interested in any of those things, those are all on the Facebook page and the website as well. If you want to know what's happening every day and you can join all of those things and participate in all of that, any of those things that you'd like. Um, you can also donate to Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Park um, at pittsburghshakespeare.com uh, slash donate if you'd like, as well as donating to the lovely food bank um, as well. So I encourage you to do that if you can. Um, so that sounds really fun. I'm excited to participate in a bunch of those things. That sounds wonderful. Um, that's exciting. My birthday is actually on the 24th of April. So that's another way that right, I'm connected right. to Shakespeare. Um, so when I found that out when I was young, I always felt like we had a little special connection there. I was like, oh, our birthday's one day off. If we met long time ago, we would have had a birthday drink together back in the pub, you know? <laughs> Maybe he would have wrote me a sonnet or something, you know? <laughs> and the reason that we um, developed Week of Will, this is the sixth year, because uh, Shakespeare in the Park performs in September. We yes. perform every weekend in September, but we go for many months without... Um, performances right. or you know, availability um 
I've gone out to the Shakespeare statue a few more years than that um, as Mrs. Shakespeare, mm -hmm. and it gives me an opportunity to um, keep a, a tradition that, that went on for many years in Pittsburgh when we had the Shakespeare Festival, the yes. Shakespeare Festival, which was going on when I was a graduate student there, and that was how I originally got interested in Shakespeare's life, and mm. perhaps his wife, yeah. what But that said, um, Week of Will is an important awareness raising event for Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Parks because we present the plays with no admission charge. We suggest a donation. This year we're doing a symbole, <clears throat> and it is our 16th season, so the significance of Week of Will is uh, not only awareness raising but fundraising to support um, being able to produce that, hopefully at a time we're able to gather again outdoors Yes. And um, a play that Jeff Chips will be directing, um, we're very excited about. Cymbeline, we haven't performed yet. We only have one play that we've done more than once that was As You Like It. Okay. So we're working our way through the canon, as Wonderful. they say, um, to present uh, works that uh, uh, we certainly haven't performed, but also that perhaps sure. at this point might not be as, uh, seen as often, such as King Lear a few yes. years ago. Henry V, absolutely, was our fourth history play. Julius Caesar, which was our all-female production last year. Yeah, so we're, we're very excited about Week of Will, um, kind of uh, being our springtime offering. Um, you know, as the the buds are coming out and Pittsburgh is looking beautiful, we might not be out there as much right now, but it certainly is a joy to be out in the park and presenting. Absolutely. Week. Yeah, and when when it was so nice um, two years ago when you invited um, Fluidity Theater to come out with my all my all female Romeo and Juliet, we were able to come out and do a scene, and um, that was so wonderful. Thank you for that, and the ladies and I were so excited to be part of that, and that was really fun. And I'm really sorry that we can't all be out there together this year. That was just such a fun thing, and hopefully, maybe knock on wood, maybe next year we can be outdoors again all together because that was really fun yeah we were really looking forward to that um performance event in the tent at yeah. Shenley Plaza. so that's uh, where we've moved the online performance from yes unfortunately however we'll be back at Shenley Plaza hopefully we're going to perform Cymbeline the plan oh. is to present two Friday evenings okay um two new times for us uh so we hope to be there on the plaza um in september for two nights okay. in addition to the eight uh saturday and sunday performances okay. in various parks oh how lovely um, our auditions are at the end of week of will so yes. once the show is cast we'll have more information about the planned locations and dates right. of course if we wait to see what the best uh situation is for social distancing yes. and, and what's going to be recommended right um we certainly take into account what's happening there at the University of Pittsburgh, and Absolutely. a lot of the campuses are uh, now in the process of sorting what they can and can't do. Right. But uh, that's a place I've been thinking about a lot lately because uh, a lot of my memories of um, outdoor Shakespeare have to do with the Three River Shakespeare Festival. We would move over to Flagstaff Hill, and uh, I was one of the singers on the lawn for a few summers, and uh, things that are, you know, really part of uh, Pittsburgh Shakespeare history. Yeah. So um, it's been exciting for me personally and professionally to be involved with so many companies here oh, and yeah. to also be able to cover them as a writer, um, especially the Shakespeare that's being.
just about to come back from that ad break, and I just want to let you know in segment two of the podcast, Mrs. Shakespeare talks to us about the Three Rivers Shakespeare Festival that used to go on in Pittsburgh, and what a bummer that it's no longer here. I wish it was. She talks about developing her Mrs. Shakespeare show while working on the festival, She talks about her mentor, Dr. Favorini, and his wide influence um, on the festival, as well as on all the different people um, who worked on the festival and who were students at the university. Um, Yvonne mentions Lynn Connor's book, Pittsburgh Stages, which sounds great if you're interested in history, theater history, Pittsburgh history. Um, It talks about... um, theaters that may no longer be here. So that sounds pretty cool. Um, We talk about making theater on a shoestring budget, uh, the magic of theater, uh, trying something new, giving Shakespeare a try, helping out the people in your life who may not be in love with Shakespeare like you are um, by giving them a chance to find out that their favorite actor is in a Shakespeare movie or play and maybe helping them find their love for Shakespeare by introducing them to it that way. Um, And never feeling like you're too old or something is too crazy to try it. Just um, go for it, says Yvonne. Um, So again, thanks for listening. If you're looking for Fluidity Theater, you can find us at uh, our website, www.fluiditytheater.org. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fluidity Theater. If you need to contact us, um, on email, it's fluiditymediainfo at gmail.com. And again, I'd like to have a, a shout out to our first sponsors. Uh, our first sponsor on Anchor was Barbara B. Thank you so much. And our first sponsor on Patreon.com was Val D. Thank you so much. You guys have got the ball rolling. And I cannot be more grateful to you. Thank you so much, ladies. virtual social distance kisses to both of you um all right well i hope you enjoy the second half of this podcast um remember pittsburghshakespeare.com if you're interested in the week of will or anything that pittsburgh shakespeare in the park is up to for 2020 i hope that you all stay healthy and happy and enjoy the second half of the podcast thank you Tell me about that. Well, ironically, perhaps, um, it ran for 16 years. Okay. Um, my mentor and uh, department chair, uh, Dr. Attilio Favarini, known as Buck Favarini, had an idea to have a Shakespeare festival here in Pittsburgh, and he decided to launch it in the year that the Folger Shakespeare Library was doing a touring exhibit about Shakespeare's world. Okay. The globe, the theater, the world, his works, the international um, history of Shakespeare. So that was booked at Carnegie Museum. Yeah. And Buck started the festival with just two shows that year. And it grew to include uh, often guest artists who would do solo shows mm-hmm. between the produ- three productions that it eventually grew to. And the company worked its way through uh, much of the Shakespeare canon 
and repeated a number of plays over those years. I worked with them for five years while I was working on my graduate degree and did marketing and PR and then was a staff member at Pitt um, as I graduated. And I worked on Mr. Shakespeare because I had Dr. Favarini's uh, classes and uh, he always talked about Shakespeare's life and biography and I was intrigued. So I have a really personal connection to um, the work we did there as well, because that was where how I first developed and um, mm-hmm. had his support for even having this project that I developed as my thesis project. Um, the Shakespeare Festival featured uh, equity and non-equity players. It incorporated students who had practicums and apprenticeships and got to try out their chops for the first time in smaller roles and sometimes larger roles. We had original music by Christine Frezza. We had uh, amazing creative directors who really did a little, uh, had a little and, and did a lot because they were so imaginative. And these shows managed to be produced uh, one after another. And then at the end of the summer, when we had funding from Pittsburgh City Parks, they moved over to Flagstaff Hill. Okay. And people brought their picnics and their blankets and enjoyed several evenings of uh, free Shakespeare. Lovely. Um, under the stars, basically, because there was lighting and amplification. So nice. it was magical. It was one of the most magical things I experienced. Um, so I was thrilled to be a part of that, and I'm thrilled to share that story now. Dr. Favarini is certain, certainly someone who influenced uh, my life and work very much mm-hmm. and uh, was chair of the department for many years, mentoring and leading students and graduate students, some of whom are all over the country teaching now. So a number of the people I knew in the PhD track are out there and have been working on campuses everywhere for quite a long time. So it's um, always exciting to see how that legacy continues and uh, continued through companies like uh, Picked Classic Theater, which um, also performed in the Charity Randall Theater after it was renovated. Um, I came back to work uh, for Dr. Favarini a second time from when I moved back from New York uh, when he was leading the fundraising and restoration of that space. Okay. So that was uh, really a privilege and so exciting. Uh, And the Pitt Theater Department Theater Arts opened with Much Ado About Nothing, and it was all very, you know. Lovely. Celebratory and nostalgic, as they say, but it was really um, significant in terms of... uh, having another space of that size equipped uh, properly and uh, with more technology, you know, oh, yes. we're not only the, the university, but the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's just part of the story. Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure <laughs> you probably could write a whole book on it. Maybe you should. I, I thought about it. Yeah. You know, there's some things that document the history of it, but um, one of the books that does touch on it as part of Pittsburgh theater history is by Lynn Connor, a former uh, professor at the University of Pittsburgh Theater Arts Department, uh, called Pittsburgh Stages, and she okay. covers. Uh, the history of Pittsburgh theater, and it's it's amazing. Okay. Of course, there are a lot of theaters um, that no longer exist, places right. like Nixon downtown, places um, who would have hosted classical and, you know, all kinds of touring productions. Right. Um, so she does talk about the Shakespeare Festival there. Okay, um, I'll check that out. But, yeah, Three Rivers Shakespeare Festival. I stay in touch with a lot of people who uh, did training and roles and, mm-hmm. you know, are dispersed and doing yeah. some of the 
doing similar things now. Some of them doing very different things, right. but it's it's all part of it. So yeah. Oh, that's really fascinating. Interesting. I imagine I, I as you're talking about it I just started going through my my producer brain because I've produced a lot of plays and I just started thinking to myself of all the lists of things you'd have to have to produce a Shakespeare festival and my heart started beating faster <laughs> thinking about what an undertaking that was wow especially it the first really one cool. you know uh, just organizing and 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 time time management and and I'm sure that there were actors involved in multiple you know productions and making sure everybody was in the right place at the right time and whoo boy I, I had dinner yeah. when I lived in New York with Dr. Favarini he was like coming up there for a conference and we got together and he said you know we we made miracles. Yes. Like, how, oh, yeah. how did you do that? Um, <laughs> and we had staff meetings where, you know, towards the end of the summer, we would sit. And before that third yeah. production, what can we cut? Right. What can we cut? I'm oh, like, well, yes. I can't make my ads any smaller. You right. know? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. But somehow we made it happen on what looks now like a shoestring budget. Yes. And we had, we had guest artists from the Stratford Festival in Canada for a number of events and roles. And, uh, some wonderful people who went on to make their mark, um, you know, internationally and, uh, and people who have started their own companies and, yeah. and gone on to, yeah. to have great careers yeah. since. So, yeah. uh, in fact, Elena Alexandratos, who directed our Julius mm -hmm. Caesar last year mm -hmm. at Pittsburgh in the parks, it was a thrill for me to work with her again because I met her when we were both at Pitt and she and I sang on the lawn. Okay. We were part of the Good Companions troupe that sang on the lawn before the Shakespeare Festival performances. Lovely. And, um, when we reopened the theater, people were asking, uh, you know, are you going to do that again? Or is there going to be a festival again? We'd love oh, that. I used yeah. to usher, I used to attend. Um, so we, you know, we had recreated an environment where people were um, engaged before they stepped into the theater. Yeah. Um, and uh, even enjoyed sitting on uh, damp hay bales on the grass. <laughs> <laughs> we had jugglers and we had guest oh, artists. That's great. Uh, you know, just had a lot of fun with that. Right. Um, and and it, we made it all up this week. Yeah, it went along. Of course, yeah. Well, you said, you know, making miracles. Isn't that the great part about theater, though? When No matter what kind of theater you're doing, and it seems like this, no matter what I'm doing, and I'm sure you've had this experience every single time, it seems like it's not going to work out. Something happens, and you're oh, just sure <laughs> that so, it's gonna some somebody's gonna quit, or the lights are gonna blow out, or the you know some the weather's you know it's gonna have a snowstorm or whatever. Something's gonna happen, and then all of a sudden, voila, you have a play, and it's yeah. just the miracle of theater. It's the magic of theater, and I think that's why we do it because you know. You work. It's not that we don't work hard. Of course you do. You put all your blood, sweat, and tears into it. But then there's a, that little element, just that touch of magic that nobody can explain. That just everything comes together when you just are not 100% sure that it's going to, and it does. And then yeah. it, that's just being. Yeah. It just happens. And it's just... Everybody takes a big breath, and here we go. And that's it's like that line in Shakespeare in Love. Yes. How will it be all right? I don't know. It's a mystery. Exactly. 
But I always tell people, the Scottish play is cursed. Yes. You just have to know that if you're going to do it, there's yes. always going to be something. Yes. But it will work. It will. Something yeah. will happen, but it will keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is if you don't put out yourself out there and try these things that sound crazy. Yes. You know, Nothing. for myself, uh, you know, as I tell people, this isn't my day job. Right. You know, I've been performing this solo show and then developing other pieces for more years than I want to admit. And I never thought that when I first did it, that would be the case. Right. Or that I would have the opportunity to perform at a conference at the Tower of London or be in South Dakota in a rescued town hall, prairie opera house, <laughs> and, and pull my own um, stage curtain rope before I stepped right. on stage. <laughs> uh, Those are you two know, extremes. Thanks to the South Dakota Arts Council, you know, accepting uh, a group's uh, uh, application to have me come there. What an interesting experience. Yeah, you know? definitely. So, I found for myself performing someplace like that where I had a scene where I would scrub the floor and I'm looking at the floor wondering, you know, who walked on this floor? Right. Who came here and did a medicine show or right. you know, with Penny Lynn there and sang? Right. Or uh, the English room at Pitt where I've performed uh, mm. probably about 30 times. I had an opportunity when I was working there the second time. I went to Maxine Brooms, uh, who just retired as longtime head of the nationality rooms. And I said, I have an idea. And I wanted to ask if I could arrange something that would give me an opportunity to run my show on a regular basis in the English room. And she said, I can't say no to you because that's such an excellent idea. <laughs> so I went um, on my own with my props and my costumes and set myself up in the room and ran uh, once a month for about a year. Oh, lovely. And it gave me an opportunity to do the show regularly yeah. in a space that, for those of you who know the English room, um, would be very much the space you would want to create if you wanted sort of an authentic, evocative set for a solo show about Shakespeare. Right. So it even has a, a hearth and all of these uh, wonderful, oh, yeah, it's perfect. Great, you know, attributes to oh, it. Yeah. You um, couldn't build a better room, set really. That room online. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, um, I never would have thought having moved, uh, from Pittsburgh to New York, back to Pittsburgh to, to work in Washington, DC, where I got to be uh, a docent, and manage the uh, program in poetry uh, during a staff member's maternity leave that I would get to perform there in the founder's room, which wow. is a small space, but underneath a portrait of Queen Elizabeth I oh my goodness. called the Civ Portrait. It's one of the copies, you know, that is an original copy, I believe, of something called the Civ Portrait. Um, in the Folger Shakespeare Library oh my for Shakespeare's birthday. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, whether it's a church oh or whatever the setting has been, um, as I said, I always find uh, new things. And then it's, it's enabled me to go back and be inspired to um, explore Emily Dickinson and The mm. Bell of Amber because that was the show I first watched um, 
probably um, when it was broadcast on PBS originally, I said, isn't that interesting? How does someone do that? Mm-hmm. So back in 2005-06, um, when I started the Poets Corner series, I performed as a Shakespeare at Calvary Methodist Church in the beautiful chapel there. And I created a series of events and included the Bell of Amherst. Yes. Whatever possessed me to think I could do that, I'm not sure. <laughs> But I had the costume made. I have the white dress, and I've appeared as Emily a number of times since. Lovely. And uh, learned in that play what is so well-crafted about William Luce's script that mine isn't. <laughs> Mine's very episodic, and I always say Mrs. Shakespeare is like the little house or cottage that you can add rooms to, and it's kind of cobbled together and meanders and, and takes different courses, but that's the way it's been put together over the years. Um, so I had an opportunity to learn a lot from that experience, but, you know, to anybody out there who's thinking about how to use some extra time you might have on your hands yeah. these days, I found just the exercise of memorizing is so empowering, mm-hmm. because when I turned my attention to this whole two-act play that I knew, I knew, but not, you know, well, and had to memorize it. I was amazed at how my capacity for memorizing that was fueled by all the work I had done on my other piece. Sure. And when I changed Mrs. Shakespeare, I had to go back and memorize a new speech and insert it or, or rearrange things, that I was able to do that, and uh, attacking something as long as uh, the Bell of Amherst is a two-act play, um, I surprised myself. So, you know, if you're watching watching Patrick Stewart uh, reading the sonnets, you know, pick some favorites and memorize them. Call someone you love and read a sonnet to them, you know. Uh, Look at your favorite Shakespeare or uh, poetry selections and think about, you know, memorizing them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because once you do... You'll have it with you, and it's something that you can share and, and, you know, call back on just as we would a file in our computer. But, you know, it's so much uh, more personal and meaningful. It's something that you take with you. Absolutely. um, That's one of the lessons I've learned, that uh, you should never underestimate your power to try something that sounds a little crazy or to memorize something new. (laughs) Right. And I would say, too, that um, don't you think... Something that I have found, a lot of people are a little bit um, timid around Shakespeare or unsure that they're going to like it. I've had several of my friends who are very, very good friends of mine, but just really don't want to come and see me do Shakespeare because they are just, they're sure that they don't like it (laughs) because they didn't like it in high school. So, and I keep saying to them, well, of course you didn't like it in high school. Shakespeare's not to be read in a desk with 30 other children who are 17 who also hate it and their teacher hates it. That's not how it was meant to be experienced. Of course you hated it. (laughs) <laughs> you it was meant to be seen as a play it's 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 you didn't understand it because your teacher didn't understand it and that's you had a bad experience that's just like math like if you had a bad math teacher like i did in elementary school you're going to hate math until you get a good math teacher you need to go see a good play a good shakespeare play that ex- yeah. that really gets to the heart of the story and then you'll go, oh, I see. And then maybe you'll like it. And what else can I say to these people? 
<laughs> well, well, I recommend the films for sure. Films, yeah. I think the other Zeffirelli films like yeah. Taming the Shrew with okay. Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton okay. are amazing. That's a great suggestion. Um, I love that. Handsome young Michael York is also in that movie as oh, he was in Romeo and Juliet. Nice. And uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, okay. which I was astounded at how uh, contemporary that play that text can be yeah um, because he didn't change the text right. but he associated some new meanings with it right. and it's amazing so i i recommend everyone watch that and the zeffirelli romeo and okay. juliet and the thing is april as you know these plays were long when they were before they were hamlet would be about five hours oh maybe. my gosh yes oh my gosh performed the whole play oh so gosh. obviously when you come to pittsburgh shakespeare in the parks or other companies these scripts as they existed originally were cut people would come to the theater and stay there all day there wasn't netflix there wasn't <laughs> radio, <laughs> podcast you know right. um that's what you went out to do right and then when there was you couldn't go to the theater right. so when it opened again people were very excited as we will be when the um, quarantine times are, are are waning and we can get back out to the theater and to gatherings but um i think that that's the thing you you should stay open to different interpretations of the plays right. and um try something new right now um all kinds of companies, of course, are offering uh, free streaming of productions that otherwise yes. we couldn't have even traveled to see in some cases. Yes. Um, people should check out what the Stratford uh, Festival in Canada is offering. That's coming up starting on Shakespeare's birthday, actually, on the 23rd. And right now, um, through uh, the weekend we're recording this, you can watch uh, the Shakespeare Globe's uh, Hamlet. Lovely. recording and then their Romeo and Juliet will be up next there's they're offering on YouTube free access to performances from the globe and that's Lovely. a place that is magical for anyone who's ever been I enjoyed several performances there King Lear and Cymbeline uh, the times that I was able to go um, so it's magical to see the interaction with the audience and mm -hmm. to see the space and how they so imaginatively present different plays. Absolutely. So those um, performances are being offered, Shakespeare's Globe. Lovely. Um, and there, there's more. So there's a lot that people mm -hmm. could dabble in if they want to, you know, mm -hmm. just sit sit at home and check some things out and not feel the pressure of, you know, yes. buying a ticket or something they're unsure about mm -hmm. or um, and it might give them some... Uh, more access uh, at the right. time. We're looking for some things that are new and different to try. Yeah. And uh, hopefully that'll include some Shakespeare. Yeah. Now is a good time to try some stuff, especially things that are streaming for free. So people, like you said, if, if they don't love it, then they don't feel like they wasted their money or their time. And frankly, we all have a lot of extra time right now. So, you know, an extra hour or two. So, well, maybe you learn something. <laughs> it won't hurt you. <laughs> Absolutely, it, you know, and you can you can jump around. I, I right. watched most of the Hamlet, then I went back to catch the the main speeches because right. I realized um, I you know wanted to look at those again, and uh, uh, that's an advantage you have when you're watching something online. Okay, I didn't get that. Let me listen to that again, or get mm -hmm. get the play. Yes, bring the play up online if you don't have it, yes. and uh, read along with it. Some people who were listening to Patrick Stewart reading the sonnets mm -hmm. said they were following along with him 
Yes. And feeling that even the sonnets are a little opaque. What does he mean? Right. <clears throat> and of course, he was writing at a time uh, when Christopher Marlowe and Ben Johnson and other playwrights were writing and using words that we don't use any longer. Right. In Shakespeare's case, many words that he was creating and using for the first time. Absolutely. That we, you know, we may have even abandoned since. So um, you have to give yourself some leeway knowing that <clears throat> some of the language can be a little archaic in spots, mm -hmm. but uh, there's usually an interesting story behind most of those words. So, right. I, And some of them are very colorful and fun to say. Absolutely. <laughs> I love Googling... Um, words that Shakespeare has invented. For me, I always find that very fun um, because there's a lot. It's quite surprising how many words that he actually invented or that were seen for the very first time in one of his plays. I mean, it's quite a long list. And there, a lot of them are pretty hilarious, and a lot of them are insults. Um, <laughs> a lot of them. Um, insults are excellent. Yes. Um, you can also Google a whole list of Shakespearean insults. There's, you know, if, if you, if you want to get into Shakespeare in a different way, you know, you can Google all sorts of, like, Shakespeare words for girls, with Shakespeare words for boys, Shakespeare words for, you know, the plague, Shakespeare words for, you know, this and that. Um, you, you know, you can play little games with yourself on Google about Shakespeare to see, you know, what did he write about. Um, you can also, if you have favorite actors, like, I know a lot of people like Benedict Cumberbatch or... David Tennant or Patrick Stewart, you can Google them and see what parts they've played in different, you know, and then you can see their monologues pop up, and maybe that's a way to get into Shakespeare is, like, by finding your favorite actor and seeing what they've done and just watching five minutes and just seeing them in that five minutes. Ian McKellen did a very interesting... He's done everything, of course, but he's done some more modern versions of some stuff that where it was set in a more modern um, setting that was, I always, was very fascinating. If you like things set in a modern, you know, like things. Also, David Tennant, Patrick Stewart Hamlin is a little bit more of a modern setting as well. Um, they also have a lot of things that are set in the time setting in like the 14, 1500s. If you want things set in the period, if you're very interested in costumes, you could also Google that. So there's a lot of different ways to get into there. Thank you so much for being on the Creating Fluidity podcast. And just if you want to give us a little blurb about what's happening again, so everybody can pay attention and follow along. Uh, Week of Will from Shakespeare in the Parks is running Monday, April 20th through Saturday, April 25th. All of the events are listed on both the Facebook page, Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Parks, and our website, pittsburghshakespeare.com. We've moved events that would have been in-person events online, so they're open to everyone and a lot more accessible. So share them with people who are outside the area. We can do that this year. I um, hope you'll join us. I can be reached uh, at Mrs. Shakespeare on Facebook, uh, on my Facebook page, and you can also uh, tweet uh, Ms. Shakespeare on Twitter. And I'll look forward to connecting with some of you who have listened if you have anything you would like to discuss further. And I thank you so much, April, for having me on behalf of Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Parks. 
Thank you so much, and I look forward to um, Monday uh, getting together with all those wonderful people, um, and I definitely will talk about it on the next podcast, so I look forward to that. Thanks again for being, part, being a guest on Creating Fluidity Podcast. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.